Welcome to the Crexy Podcast, an insider's look at all things commercial real estate. I'm Ashley Kopovich, Regional Director at Crexy, and today's host. Each episode, the Crexy team dives into a broad range of topics and conversations with featured experts to investigate trends, educate listeners, and understand the latest industry news in commercial real estate. As the nation's fastest growing online CRE platform, we're excited to provide a window into the inner workings of commercial real estate for this generation and the next. Welcome and thank you all for joining us in this episode of the Crexy Podcast, an insider's look at all things commercial real estate. This show covers a broad range of topics that cater to newcomers and industry leaders alike. I'm your host, Ashley Kopovich, Regional Director at Crexy. And today we're thrilled to discuss Louisville mentorship and the importance of grit with Stephanie Gillison of the Gillison team. Before we start, a little about our guests. Stephanie Gillison began her, began her commercial real estate career just 21 years old and quickly became a force within the industry. After struggling to find a mentor who would commit the time to teaching her, she promised herself that she would dedicate her career to helping others. That promise has shaped her entire approach to business. Today is a successful land developer, owns and operates a real estate team in the top 5% of producers in Kentucky and Indiana, and is also the director of growth at EXP Commercial the commercial real estate division of EXP World Holdings Incorporated. As the director of growth at EXP Commercial, Gillison oversees the ancillary partnerships, technology, and at EXP Commercial, domestically and internationally. She's been a licensed broker her entire career with over 23 years of experience growing and managing real estate brokerages. Gillison specializes in building real estate firms, scalability, license law, as well as product specialties in industrial, land, multifamily, bank asset liquidation, retail, and offices. She is also a land developer, builder, and owns and operates a real estate team that ranks in the top 5% producers in Kentucky and Indiana. Gillison is currently involved in over $144 million worth of development projects with over 258 million year-to-date sales and 144 complete projects in the last year. She was named a Globe Street 2022 Best Bosses in CRE and is a 2022 Crexy Platinum Broker. Stephanie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You oh. made me sound so important. So thank you. <laughs> of course. Is there nothing that you can't do? I don't think so. It's amazing to have you. And we're really excited to dive in. I love it. And I love <laughs> that it's two women today speaking commercial real estate. So Thanks. another passion of mine. Absolutely. All for women empowerment in general, especially in commercial real estate. So we definitely have that in common, Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> So our first topic as we dive in, so I know that our listeners just got to hear a lot about you through me reading your bio, but what would you, what would you share a little bit about your background, kind of adding a little bit more context or color or personal touch here for our listeners? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, when I look back to, you know, coming out of graduating college and really trying to specialize in commercial real estate, it was like everywhere I turned, 
I got cooked kicked in the mouth, you know, at 21 years old. And I'm not even going to play that female card. I'm just going to play the 21 year old card Mm -hmm. and trying to get established in this industry. But first trying to find the brokerage that would take me on. It was next to impossible. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of offices that I walked into where I started with some of the big boys, the recognizable national companies where, nope, sorry, we don't have, you know, we just don't have a spot for you. So then I would start down that independent path and nope, sorry, we don't know how to train you. Nope. If you want to follow people around and get coffee, then okay, maybe you can go that route. And then finally, I reached out to two friends of mine that I had actually gone to high school with. One was a year older, one was a year younger. And I remembered their father was a real estate broker. And so I called both of them and I said, look, is your dad still in the business? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And so I went and had a conversation with him and he was like, you know, I'll take you on, but here's the thing. I know nothing about commercial real estate. I know residential, but if you want to, you know, try it out, see what you can do, see what you can, you know, make of yourself. That's, that's absolutely fine. And so I put my license with him for just a few short months and realized that they were so antiquated. They were so in the past. Like there was one computer in the whole entire office. And I just graduated college where, yeah, there was still like dial up AOL. Remember that crazy yep. noise? Or actually, you might be too young. I don't know. I'm 44. Oh, but oh, I know, you know <laughs> that, that horrible noise. And I'm like, oh, my God, what am I doing? What am I doing? And so literally, I just started engulfing myself into anything and everything that I could read. I stumbled for a long time because there was nowhere to turn. And commercial education, for those of you watching, can probably relate. It really doesn't exist. I mean, from being at real estate school, you're not really learning anything about it, maybe some math. But, you know, any training that you could enroll in was very difficult to find, or it was thousands upon thousands of dollars. Well, I was a single mom. Like I had to make money. Like Mm -hmm. I, there was no other way, but for me to make money. And that's where that word grit comes into because I had the grit. I just educated as much as I could. I was reading articles left and right. I was looking at all the main players in the commercial industry and emulating them, literally just watching what they did. And, you know, there is nothing wrong with, with, with steal and repeat. There's just not. And I tell people that all the time. If you see that I'm doing something that you want to do, steal it from me and go put it to work. I have not trademarked anything and neither has any commercial broker or agent. None of us own one way of doing something. And so that's really what I had to do. And, you know, the cold call, I mastered the cold call. I didn't know what I was saying at all. Like, I don't know how many times I got hung up on But I took all of that, what some people would say was anger. It wasn't. It was this this fire in my belly, and it still resides there today. I actually spoke last week in front of a, a large group of top, top influencers in this space. And they go, do you have a chip on your shoulder? No, there's no chip up here, but there's a big fire in my belly. And that's what motivates me every day. And that's why I love mentoring people, because I wish I had me when I got into the business. Absolutely. Oh, I love to hear that, Stephanie. I think that mentorship is huge. And if you have a guide, you know, take full advantage of that. And if you don't have a guide, try to find one. Or, you know, as you did, 
everything's out there on the internet, right? So always yeah. be learning, right? And sales, Absolutely. everyone says always be closing, right? But I always say, always be learning. Right. There's a ton of things that you can do. And some of my bosses and mentors have said, no one's been here to teach me anything. Right. I pick up a book and I go and I learn and I do it for myself. And I love that motivation is inside of you, you know, kind yeah. of lights up. Um, I love cold calling. I still get hung up on every day. You know, <laughs> even if we master it, we're still going to get hung up. It's the nature of the business. Absolutely. But, you know, you gotta, you gotta have that passion and you gotta have that motivation internally to keep going every single day. So I love that you found that. And I love that you're able to share that with others, because I think that's super invaluable, especially to young people or even throughout your career at any point, just having that leadership, having that opportunity to bounce ideas off of someone and gain their knowledge, right? Nothing is trademarked. Nothing is proprietary. You know, everyone is taking a little bit from everyone else, you know, making it their own, making it a little bit better. And that's how, you know, we all grow and how the world grows in general. Yeah. And I mean, we learn by listening to podcasts like this. I best what, you know, I learn from the best of the best because there's always these little, these little bits of information that when you piece everything together, you can make it work for you. Absolutely. I totally agree. So thanks for giving us that background. What first attracted you to commercial real estate? So we kind of talked about how you made it your own and how you succeeded, but what was the initial attraction? And then where did your career path take you? Okay. So when I was in college, I was a political science major and my entire path was to go to law school, but not to practice law. I come from Kentucky. I ended up going to Eastern Kentucky University, which is very kind of rural, you know, not in the two big cities, Louisville, Lexington, you know, outside of Lexington. And notice that, you know, a lot of the people that came to that school, they were from all over the place. I mean, you know, many different states, many different countries and so forth. But what I noticed from those that came from the rural counties of Kentucky These counties, and this is where I'm going to get in, you know, Kentucky bourbon industry, right? We're known for that horses and bourbon. Okay. I was shocked to learn that once I got out of my metropolitan city of Louisville, that there was so much ruralness in Kentucky Mm -hmm. and all of these counties that weren't really growing or, or really getting industry or any of that, there was, there was a common denominator or so I thought, and I think I was right. They were dry counties meaning there was no drop of alcohol in any of these places. And so I thought, okay, we had to pick this project. And so political science being my route, you know, I interned in Frankfurt. I spent time in DC. I worked for senators local and national. And one of the things that I always brought into the limelight was that, well, this county struggles because this isn't happening. And I know that sounds bad, so to speak, for those that you know, don't like the alcohol, but for a state like Kentucky, where it's driven so much industry coming in, Mm -hmm. it was important. And so one of my projects in college was to go out and do interviewing in all of these counties to find out, you know, how could we get more industrial in? How could we bring businesses in? Why couldn't they see all the chain restaurants? Why couldn't they have shopping? You know, why was it the same three things? A Cracker Barrel, a Walmart, and a Dairy Queen. Seriously. It's like everywhere I went, I knew there was a Cracker Barrel, a Dairy Queen, and a Walmart, right? So we took half of Madison County 
half of it was, was wet and the other half was dry. And if we made this piece wet, what would happen? And it exploded. And I watched as all these businesses wanted to start moving into it. Then you saw apartments being built. Then you saw hotels, you saw entertainment, right? There were things to do. And so that's what initially got me going into the space of, wait a minute, I like this. I like looking at this blank cap canvas. Yep. I like changing one thing about it and then watching everything come toward us. And so that is how I pivoted and said, I can go to law school one day. You know, I'm 21. I can go to law school one day, but I want to do this now. And so that's when I really started paying attention and using my knowledge in what I had learned in government about opportunity zones, about, you know, cost savings to businesses to move into underdeveloped areas, development, which today is still one of my most favorite things to do is to take something and turn it into, to, you know, to something. So these are the things that led me into real estate, but I love the new factor of everything. And then, you know, as time went on and the market, you know, did all these changes, And then we saw, you know, when 09 hit and I'm like, okay, here's an opportunity. This is how I go back to being what I was great at in college, which for a short while I worked for a, an attorney who collected debt. Oh, and what I learned by, and this is why I wasn't scared of cold calls because I knew what it was like to get hung up on. Right. (laughs) I'm calling people saying they owe X amount of dollars. Yep. So I took that knowledge and I pivoted and I started doing bank negotiation, which then led to me listing assets of banks, foreclosures, a lot of developments that were halfway done or maybe partially done. These needed to be revamped. They needed to be repurposed. And then I learned to see what it was like to take some failure mm-hmm. and turn it into just this amazing and impressive thing. And so I've had a lot of range in that, but it all relates back to bringing more in Mm -hmm. and, and then the, you know, servicing that, you know, just putting up apartments, hotels, all of those things, you know, that's what attracts. It's amazing when you build a Starbucks and how many people want to live within that amount of, of walking distance to Starbucks. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, that's one of their demographics. Perfect. Thank you so much for that. I mean, it's amazing to hear, you know, how you kind of merge both of your expertise. So your college learnings, everything that you did in that internship and kind of after, and then pivoting that into commercial real estate to help not only CRE and yourself, but also these cities and these rural towns. So thank you so much for for sharing that. What are some of the lessons or tools that you learned early on that you think have served you as well, served you well as a broker? Well, number one tool is the ability to research. We all have to have the ability to research and, you know, things have gotten easier as we've been in this business longer. You know, there's a lot more access to data, but knowing how to find that data, you know, knowing who owns what, understanding what debt is owed and, you know, what does it mean? You know, I've tried to, I can't say that I'm an 
expert in everything that I do. But one of the things that I can do is research. And people would call me like the private investigator. I knew everything that was going on. If I'm at a dinner party or wherever, and somebody says, did you hear about, and before they can even tell me what it is, I know exactly what they're going to. I know who's behind it. I know where their funding came from. I know what planning and zoning members are for it. I know who's going to you know, be against it. It is knowing all of that. And so one of the things that, that I will say has been my biggest asset is knowing, and that goes back to reading, staying up on what's happening in my market, Mm -hmm. whether it's my city or surrounding counties or across the river, wherever that case might be, you know, it's no different than launching, you know, EXP commercial in 2021, where having to know our demographic of, okay, well, who's going to follow this virtual brokerage? Who needs this opportunity? And so I think the best thing that we can always do is, is it's it's not about knowing your client as much as it's knowing your market and knowing what your market needs in a client. That's how I've gone about it. For sure. I love that preparedness. Again, going back to like learning everything that you can, knowledge is totally power. And then when you meet with clients and you are so informed and, you know, you have that edge on some other people, they're going to choose you every time. Right. So, so that's awesome. What kind of tools are you, are you using to understand your market? Is there anything maybe for our listeners who are maybe new to brokerage or anything where you find your tools in order to be able to do that research? Well, obviously, Crexy is a big one. I mean, you know, I'm not going to ever badmouth anything else in the industry, but I love real-time information and I love dependable information, okay? You know, it's funny because as a primarily a listing side, I mean, we represent buyers, but we, I, you know, my team, we are listing, 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 listing. And to be able to push uh, on a platform like Crexy, to where our leads that come in from Crexy are 16 to one. So we'll get 16 leads to one from wherever other place. And we're on over 40 different platforms. Okay. And so I have this debate all the time and, you know, I'm always prepared. Right. And so when somebody (laughs) comes in at me and they're like, well, wait a minute. And I'm like, no, let me show you my leads. I mean, I probably haven't opened up my email since you and I have been talking, but I guarantee you there's at least six since we've been talking that have come in through, through Crexy. And so it's being able to market it right. But if there's that many leads on Crexy that are coming to to my team and signing the CAs and doing all these things, then that means that's many consumers that are also utilizing you all as that search tool as well. And so I think the data there, that's where it becomes more in real time. Mm -hmm. I, there's been a many of occasions where I've tried to utilize other tools and I've been a subscriber for a very long time to do your biggest competitors, but I always find them out of date. And so one, it's, it's knowing everything now mm-hmm. in conjunction with Crexy, being able to have that, that CRM platform that you all offer is huge because here's what I've learned in, in commercial real estate. And this is where on the residential side of things, I actually learned some stuff and okay. that was how to utilize a CRM early on, how yeah. to really build a database. It, it just mind boggles me. How many commercial people that I speak to, they're like, yeah, I've never started a database. No, I don't have that in any, and it, but it, it, they do because when you look at commercial real estate, we're always a decade behind what residential agents are doing. Okay. 
Absolutely. They are slower. They are slower to, to embrace technology as a benefit. Yep. Whereas I would much rather allow the automation of technology do my heavy lifting yep. so that I'm free to do what's important, make those calls, build yep. those connections, have my CRM look like it is doing all of that for me. And that's what I love the most about how we've automated our business is that it looks like I'm doing a lot of this heavy lift. That's why I, I keep clients. That's why I earn new clients. That's mm-hmm. why I'm, you know, probably winning a power broker award, right? Because we're yep. utilizing the system to the advantage, which is why I still subscribe because it's worth me subscribing. And so, you know, one of the things, data, all of those things become an issue, uh, become a big player in this industry. But the other thing that I look at in a big way that a lot of people don't think about is building permits. I look at who's pulling these building permits because those are our clients as well too. I look at, okay, who's building the most homes? Who's bringing in this project? Who is submitting their applications through planning and zoning? I want to know all of that up front because there's other business to do with those folks as well. I also like to study who just closed on a piece of property, whether it's a hotel, whether it's multifamily, who just bought that? Because if they just bought that, they probably want to buy more. And shouldn't they be added to the database as a future buyer when we list the next one that's like kind? Absolutely. Oh, I love that. I love hearing your story. And, you know, obviously same exact thing. I'm a little biased, obviously thinking that Crexy is the best, but (laughs) you kind of hit on one that that you're on a bunch of different platforms and you want to get the most exposure as possible. And then using those platforms, finding what works for you, Crexy, and using it to the most of its ability and finding out the different capabilities because, you know, us, we want to be a one-stop shop for you guys. We want to have that CRM capability and give you that personal touch and kind of make your business almost run automatically and as seamlessly as possible. So that's awesome to hear you say that. I'm really excited about it. Moving more into something, you know, kind of on your home, let's focus on the market of Louisville. Um, and you can correct me and say it and say it appropriately. Louisville's good. I say it like that too. <laughs> okay, great. Louisville or Louisville. Yeah, either okay. way. Okay, perfect. So what are the latest marketing market happenings in Louisville? You know, we've got a lot of 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 influx of relocation coming in here. And I think what we're seeing in a lot of markets, maybe in the Midwest are seeing this, is, is that people can work from anywhere now, right? We've had this great resignation happening, you know, 4.4 4. 4 million people quit their jobs. We've got a lot of entrepreneurship happening. We've got people okay. looking to, to purchase you know, QSRs, businesses, but we've got a lot of industry that's also coming to Louisville. You know, not only have we had some of the major players like Ford for many years, UPS, Humana, Yum, Papa John, you name it, we've got a bunch. We've got a lot more. You know, when I start naming off all of our corporations in Louisville, people are like, what, really? And then you look at the cost of living here and it's, I just spent last week in in San Diego. I mean. My goodness, like, like, like this is like two different worlds. And so we've got a lot of growth that's happening. We have a lot of tech startup companies that are happening. Mm -hmm. And so our market hasn't really had any slowdown. I think here's what I have found. We've got a client currently right now who needs about 15,000 square foot of office. Now you would think that's all day long right? With as many people that have gone virtual with offices. No, it's not. 
every single building before I emailed it to her that she wanted to see already went pending. And we're not talking little small places. We're talking 5.5 all the way up to $15 million. Mm -hmm. And so you're seeing things come back to life. But I think with the influx of what's coming in, you know, I speak to the residential side and they're relocating people from New York City all the time, California, Connecticut, New Jersey. They're coming to Louisville and they're buying homes for 3 million that they're used to those costing 15 million. And so these people are bringing their businesses here just as well. And, you know, with Kentucky having a lot of opportunity, Ford picked us to to build their, their electric batteries for their electric cars that are coming up. So there's a whole lot more here where you're able to have growth. And even Louisville, when you look at land development, now you got to go clear, clear away from the city in order to, to find that land. But when I can buy a piece of land, develop it into 80 home sites, and I can sell that lot for 500,000, people looked at me and said, you'll never do that. Yes, I did do that. And I did it in five minutes because the people are not from here locally. They're coming from a whole lot bigger, you know, bank account bracket as far as what they've been used to. So, you know, I think we have a lot of great things happening for us in Louisville, but I think a lot of the Midwest is that way. You know, we have the rivers, we've got, you know, this whole entire golden triangle. When you look at Michigan, all the way down to Alabama, Florida, and mm-hmm. everything that's in between, you've got a great port system happening in North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia. You know, there's something happening on the West where they're all backed up and they can't get the boats in, but over here on the East coast, they're running that. And then we've got the ability for rail. We've got the uh, ability for boat travel or, you know, barges. So there's a lot to look at here. A lot of, lot of growth, a lot of industry moving in and, you know, why not? Our tax rate, our tax rate is a good one too. Yeah. I mean, as, as a New Jersey native myself, lived in New York city for five years and now Southern California. Steph, I think you just sold me. I'm moving to Louisville. I mean, all it all is is super exciting things, and I think that you know you're going to continue to to see the influx. So that's awesome. Um, and I, I know you were just speaking of development and that project, which is you know congratulations. That's absolutely huge. But speaking of developments, since you have that experience, you know what opportunities are you seeing in terms of maybe some creative use or reuse? Anything surprising that you're seeing? You know, I've seen, uh, and and I don't know how long this is going to last for people because, you know, in Louisville specifically, I I can see other markets, but in Louisville specifically, you know, we have basements so that we can store our stuff. But what you're seeing across the entire country is, you know, the cost of construction is is just going up, 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 up. So, you know, in the supply chain. And so things are, are shrinking as far as square footage goes. So I have seen so many projects or existing buildings repurposed as self-storage. I mean, it's popping up everywhere. We had an entire indoor soccer facility, which I hated this because back when I was a kid, I played indoor soccer there. Now it's a self-storage facility. And I'm like, what? You know, we had an entire old historic building in downtown Louisville that was the Murphy's paint facility that is now all nine floors are air controlled self storage. So there's a lot of that happening as far as repurposing, you know, the malls of Sears, you know, went out of business many years ago. So it had sat there empty. Well, hey, now 
it, it's going to be a humongous top golf. So we get top golf because of that. And so it's going to be interesting to see, you know, our malls are pretty much still filled with tenants. You don't see a ton of vacancies unless a, a, a large anchor store has gone out like Sears did, but not to say that that's going to continue because we know that that's leaning more toward the online. Um, but, you know, there's enough business popping in to where we still have a shortage of housing. And so that's why I've spent the last few years developing residential because people need places to move. I read a statistic yesterday that was put out by the Greater Louisville Association of Realtors where two years ago at this time, there were 4,300 houses for sale. There's less than 900 for sale right now. And we have more people. Our population didn't shrink. It got bigger. And so then people, you know, call me and they go, Steph, aren't you worried about the interest rates going up? And I'm like, guys, there's still 5%. My God, when I got into real estate in 1999, the interest rates were eight and a half percent. People were still buying houses, right? We all need a place to live. And so I look at that as, as, as not a detriment. It's just a correction possibly, you know, in the market, but I don't see anything slowing down. We've got so much so much that is going for us, you know, Toyota's opening up another, you know, 8,700 8, jobs right across the river from where I am, which I bought another piece of property to develop another 80 homes. We have got, which we don't know what it is yet, but 1 million square feet. And it's somebody big time that they haven't announced yet. That's moving their entire facility here uh, in Southern Indiana. And so, you know, those homes are going to sell too, because there's nothing over there to buy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, the, all these things are are super exciting. I mean, it seems like, you know, it's it's not stopping. It's not slowing down. You know, a lot of things to look forward to. But Steph, what is the what is the thing that you're most excited about for the future of Louisville's commercial real estate scene? So give us short term and then long term. Well, I think that, you know, for for short term, you know, we're, we're still on this rocket ship ride where everything is just going so easily. It's just easy. It, it, it's almost too easy, right? <clears throat> so when things are almost too easy, then you know that there's going to be a correction in the market. But that's where we all get to look at ourselves and pivot a little bit to see, okay, now what? What is it that we need? You know, I don't think it's going to be unheard of that we start to see office towers repurposed into multifamily. I, I, you know, especially in some of the, you know, downtown area, they're trying to bring life into downtown Louisville. And so if you're going to do that, you need places to live, not places to hotel. I mean, we've got plenty of those right now, but I think we'll start to see a lot of those things happening. I think hopefully with, with COVID going away, we'll start to see more of those, those places that are heavily, um, it was harder to to ha be open during COVID, right? They weren't in the suburbs, they were in the inner city parts, but they're doing a whole lot to bring that back. So I think we'll see more restaurants open up. I think we'll see the, the nightlife come back, which we'll then have a need for, but also in our underdeveloped areas or our poverty stricken areas, there's a whole lot of new development going on. My son's actually involved in a project right now where there's all these new container properties popping up as Airbnbs and multifamily container properties. Yep. And so when you see a lot of these vacant and abandoned properties that were formerly, you know, whether they were residential or warehouse commercial, they've been sitting there empty. They've yep. been sitting there abandoned. They haven't made the city look great, but now they're being redeveloped into housing communities 
that are small and affordable. And so that's kind of neat to see because 10 years ago, if you told me we were going to see a multifamily apartment complex built with shipping containers, I'd probably looked at you funny. I'd probably look at you the way I got looked at when I said I wanted to be in commercial real estate, right? Be like, what? (laughs) Yeah. But there's a lot, you know, that's a way to solve, right? I mean, right now with having the the shortage on material and having to pay so much, you know, I'm in the process of building my own home right now, which I've built several homes in my career. But, you know, from from what August, in August, my window package would would have been 92,000. Three months later, when I actually ordered them, they were immediately $40,000 more. I mean, we can't control that, but that's supply and demand. For sure. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of exciting things, a lot of good solutions, you know, to current problems. And it's all about the innovation. It's all about how do we, you know, solve a certain problem and and keep continuing to grow in these markets. And it really seems like Louisville is is going in the right direction. So it's Mm -hmm. all fun, all fun to hear. Stephanie, pivoting just a little bit, I want to dive a bit deeper into a passion of yours that you've mentioned multiple times, which is helping other brokers and Siri professionals grow on their career paths. So how did you become such a passionate champion of mentorship and growth in commercial real estate? Well, I think a lot of what happens, you know, when we, or, or what should happen and what happened to me is when we lack something and we want it that much more then we decide in life, okay, I'm successful for a reason. Now it's time that we have to give back. And I think we receive in life as much as we can give. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I love to do is to mentor. I don't have a ton of time, but I always said that if I got to a level in my career that I want to be able to have that ability to mentor those that have just as much drive and passion for this business as I did. Now, it's not everybody that raises their hand and says, I dream of becoming a commercial. You've got to put in the work, right? There's no magic wand that I can wave and make someone successful. But if they truly listen to how to be successful and really take the advice and put it to use with a lot of grit with it, Mm -hmm. then those are the people that I like to mentor. And those are people that, you know, because you have to want it, you can't sit and wait for anything. No, you know, I don't, I don't get a trophy just because I'm in the business. I get a trophy for standing out in this business. And the only way to stand out is to do everything you can to master it. And so if you ever get the ability to have a mentor in this business, just know it's just as much time on their part as it is of you trying to learn. And so there has to be that mutual respect, right? I never want anybody, you know, I've had, I've had agents reach out to me and they said, look, I want to be you. And mm-hmm. I say, well, what part of me do you want to be? I, I want them to know, answer that question. What part of me do you want to be? Because I want them to understand who I really am. And, you know, each each thing I do in life, whether it's being a commercial real estate broker, whether it's being the director of growth for EXP Commercial, whether it's managing my team, or whether it's being a wife and a mother, mm-hmm. each of those take a lot of time. Yep. And if I'm going to take away from any of those, I want that much time committed to me because that is valuable. It's super, yep. super valuable. Yep. And so what I like to do is do different podcasts like this. I like to speak. I like to give hundreds of people a lot of nuggets all at one time, because then that way I can spread myself a little bit more thin. And then those that are really serious about, 
you know, being a, a, a true force to reckon with, because that's what I want to see. I want to see forces to reckon with. I'm a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. So I want to see a force to be reckoned with. Say to me, I want you to mentor me. And this is what I'm going to do in order to earn that spot. Yep. Right. And so, you know, the, those are the things because the time has to be there. The, the plugging in has to be there. The results, we have to see the results. And so when we started to launch EXP commercial, it was built around the fact of, okay, here's what I know. Here's what I know this industry needs. And if we could build an education that teaches agents brand new in the commercial space, that gives them the fundamentals and the foundation that goes through the product specialty types, that teaches them how to do the business plan, that teaches them how to utilize technology, teaches them how to do the cold call, then that is a great start because the hardest part of being a great advisor or a great mentor is starting at ground zero. Yeah. So if we can start someone in a classroom setting virtually and give them all of those, then set them up with their mentor, it's way bigger of a success rate because we're not, this is how I say it. And you can edit this out if you feel the need. They come to us in diapers. I want to potty train them and put them in their big girl or big boy pants and then assign them to a mentor mm -hmm. because I don't want the mentor to rack their brain and get frustrated because somebody doesn't understand what cap rate means. Sure. Does that make sense? Of course, of course, absolutely. You know, and I think that too, I've done a lot of research on especially adult learning and things like that. And it's understanding it in that classroom setting, learning it from other people and kind of going through that experience of shadowing and kind of getting that and then doing it and then being ready for that mentorship. Because as you said, Steph, I mean, it definitely goes both ways and you yeah. have to be committed and you have to be, you know, accountable for the work that you have to do. I and always those, Go ahead. those, those first few deals, you need to work them with your mentor. Yes. You need yep. to, because, yep. because you don't really learn until you start to do the deal. I exactly. mean, you're learning and you, you've got all, all this verbiage. Yep. You've got all these ways of, of doing evaluation and whatever else, but you need to work that deal. And that's how you repay your mentors, work that deal with them and learn it that way. But, you know, what I love to do is teach people how to get those deals to begin with. That is what I absolutely love. But yes. utilizing technology is how we do that, too. Absolutely. That that kind of segues, I, I think, really well. So you were kind of talking a little bit just now about the process and how you like to frame everything. So what kind of mentorship programs do you have for the Gillison team? And then also, how has that investment helped your company grow? Well, I think, you know, when, when we're, I always tell people, what you see behind the scenes is a little bit different than what, <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, here, I, I like involvement. So everybody yeah. on the Gillison team has to be involved. They have to be involved and it is a time commitment. Yeah. And, you know, whether whether they are part of get on this zoom with me, mute your mic and turn off your camera, but I want you to listen. Mm -hmm. Don't interrupt, but I want you to listen and I want you to observe. 
but it's going through certification trainings. You know, we've got a whole lot that we've built at EXP Commercial, which has taken a lot off of me because mm -hmm. they can sit through an accelerate program. They can sit through these product specialty meetings where they learn each and every piece of it. But a lot of that is the observation of it. Me sitting with the agent and teaching them, okay, here's how you land these type of deals. But this is where you've got to do first. And to physically do all of those, mm -hmm. those that give up in the first week because nobody called them back, that they're not going to stick with me very long. <laughs> not yeah. at all. Not at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you've got to put in the time. This is a full-time job. And those that reach out to me and say, well, look, I, I work, I work, you know, a nine to five job doing this. Would you mentor me at night or on the weekends? No, I'm not. Because I put in 18 hours a day. Monday through Saturday, typically. And I'm not going to pivot because it's a commitment. I mean, I, I get that. We, we do have to have income and we do have to have jobs, but there's ways to do it. Maybe that's taking part of a coaching program. Maybe that's joining the right brokerage that can offer you that, but it can't be me personally because time just won't allow for that. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. And again, you, you have to commit your time to doing anything that you want to do and give it, you know, 110% of your all, whether that's, you know, getting a mentor, learning commercial real estate, learning a new language, you know, you have to be accountable. You have to do those certifications in order to push yourself to, to actually learn and make sure that you're retaining it and then seeing in action. So absolutely agree on that. And then, you know, kind of la last question on, on this topic, what's your vision for the for, for the future of commercial real estate in terms of who's participating in CRE? So, and I don't know if this statistic still holds true, but I know it was accurate about five months ago. And the average commercial practitioner is a 62 year old white man. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, I am all about diversity and inclusion. And I think that the commercial real estate industry has a very big opportunity right now. I think there is an opportunity to educate more and to train more and to show more people that this is an industry that they need to be in. I don't know if I'm right, but I know that I've talked to a lot of economists and I've talked to a lot of people in this space and that I think between, you know, having the the, the depression, so to speak, of 2009 to about 2015, we lost an entire age group that got into commercial real estate, okay? The numbers were way down. Then we get out of that and then we hit, we're hit with COVID. Well, how many people really dreamed of being an office rep in the middle of COVID, right? So I think we have a lot of catching up to do. And one of the biggest things that I want to see is obviously I want more women in commercial real estate. There is absolutely no reason why we can't compete at that level. I mean, in all honesty, I still to this day get hit. Just last week, I got hit with, well, what do you know? And I said, well, what does that mean? And they're like, well, what, do you, what have you done in life? Well, I don't know. My bank account's pretty damn big and I'm worth multi-millions of dollars and I did it by doing deals and commercials. So you tell me, you know, I get really offensive at that. But, you know, I think we have this great opportunity, you know, with being able to really open this industry up. Look, there's a lot more technology coming into this space and there's a lot of good platforms out there, but we don't need to take the broker out of those platforms, right? And, and we need to keep, you know, this is a personalized relationship building industry. Absolutely. 
And I believe that with, you know, there hasn't been any disruption in the commercial real estate brokerage in ever, 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 ever. And so one of our goals, you know, with what we're doing and what I'm building with EXP Commercial is to put more money into the agent's pockets, to properly train them without them going broke or having to be able to go on some type of a payment plan in order to learn properly, but also really drive the use of technology. And there's been a lot of great technologies out there that do one thing great, and then some that do this great, this great, this great. And if we were able to merge all of those technologies, how much better could it be? And so we've spent the last year really focused on on what that looks like. And so I'm using this year and next year and as many years to come to really push this industry into that into that way. You know, nobody's going to go out of business. I mean, there's there's been commercial brokerages that have been around for a hundred plus years. Mm-hmm. And most commercial brokerages that exist are older than me. I'm 44 years old. There's been a lot that are older than me. Sure. And they will do their thing. But I also want there to be a new place, a new place for people to have and and deliver this career in commercial real estate and also uniting commercial real estate with the business brokering world. Because mm-hmm. over the course of the next three years with this great resignation and in the last four months alone, we've had over 12 million people quit their corporate job. They yep. want to be entrepreneurs. So EXP Commercial is merging the commercial real estate industry with the business world, because there will be over $3 trillion worth of businesses bought and sold over the course of this next five years. And we want to be there. We want to be able to facilitate them. We also want to find them their commercial space. And we want to push this into a whole different way of thinking. And we're able to do that because of collaboration. I love the fact that I have business partners in all 50 states in 20 different countries. We are doing deals that I mean, I know of one right now where fingers cross when it closes, but it's a billion dollar deal for someone that's been in this industry about three years, which is huge. Wow. You know, we're seeing a lot of different product specialties emerge with, with, with having a national pandemic. And I think it's a time where we have this ability to pivot in a way we've never been able to before. And that's my new mission right now. My mission is really focused on how do we improve this industry? How do we allow more women, people mm-hmm. of color, all divert, everything to be a part of it? That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking to change that, that's, that statistic. We're also wanting to change that statistic that's out there that says, hey, you better, you know, for two years, you better figure out what you're going to do because it's going to take you two years to make money in this industry. No, not when you build the right referral network, not when you implement the right training and education and agent development. No. So my goal now is to change those statistics in in not just a little way, but in a big way. And to be known as that disruptor of commercial real estate and to have a lot of business partners that I'm in business with that have that same shared mission. Those are the people I want to mentor. I want to mentor those that are, are ready in their career to give back to the better good of this industry. Absolutely. Wow. You touched on a lot of really, really good points there. And, you know, I mean, it seems like 
you want to continue to have this industry grow. As you said a little bit before, it's always 10 years behind the residential Mm -hmm. market or antiquated, you know, so continuing to innovate in the industry is really important. Continuing to cultivate the right kinds of relationships so that new people can come in and feel supported, not that they have to, you know, potentially wait two years and, you know, max out all their credit cards before they're starting to make money. It's how do you set that up and you have a fantastic referral network and, you know, you're amazing at that, obviously. So being able to to kind of do that and continue to grow everyone's presence and, you know, having commercial real estate become more inclusive and open up the opportunity to other people who typically it hasn't been available to is absolutely fantastic. And I hope that continues to, you know, open up and grow. Absolutely. And there's no reason you have to start in residential. That is not a rule. Sure. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. No, it just, just jump right in, dive in there, combine it with the training, meet the right people, get the right mentors and, you know, see yourself succeed. Absolutely. So with that, our final topic, just give us a little bit of advice. So you've given us a lot already, but what words of wisdom do you have for aspiring brokers who might be listening in here? Take the word no and remember it's just one more opportunity, right? Ah. Like no is never no. It's just a different opportunity. It's just a different way to get it. You know, I used to every day back in the day, (laughs) I had this routine from 8 a.m. till 10 a.m., Monday through Friday. Everyone knew it was blocked on my calendar and I made calls. Whether these were, you know, people in struggling debt issues, whether this was just reaching out to see if somebody, you know, wanted to sell what they own, whatever the case, these were calls. And my goal was to get through a minimum of 50 during those two hour brackets. And sometimes I wouldn't because you'd get somebody on the phone, but I'd always leave a message or I'd get hung up on, I'd get cussed out, whatever the case might be. And so I always took the word no and just knew that I laughed it off and said, okay, well, how do I get to yes? You know, and those people never got thrown in the trash. They just went to the bottom of the list. I took my notes and then eventually that would start over. But one of the things that I think for the, for the biggest amount of advice, and I think everybody out there needs to, to really look at this. And this is how I got to a different level in my career. I really started paying attention to who wasn't paying on their debt, who was getting leaned. And that is where I took just being a commercial broker and turned it into a whole nother level. Because that's where the opportunity was. And very few people ever play in that space at all. They don't know how to research that, but everything's online or you can subscribe to something, you know, you can pay for that information. But I really focused in on that because it was the low hanging fruit. If everybody was going after one specialty, you know, like if everybody right now is looking for land for multifamily, yeah, I'm not going to get in line. Let Mm -hmm. them do it. Uh, Let them do it. Right. Mm-hmm. unless I discover something that nobody else knows, then obviously, but I'm not going to go get in line to stand in for something that's never going to come about. Right. But what I can get in line for is to look at and see who struggled. You know, we are coming out of a national pandemic. People did have financial issues. There are, there's so much money in this world, but sometimes people don't know how to get to that money. Sometimes 
they're embarrassed, right? But I would start to pay attention to those things because that's going to become the next influx of whether this economy stays strong or we start to fall. There's always those. There is always those. And that's where I've always found the biggest opportunities. It's where I actually became a developer myself by buying somebody else's half-baked project and turning it into a success. But I never would have found it if I had never targeted those. And sometimes it's looking at the liens. You know, maybe somebody's not maintaining their property. Maybe their tenant is not maintaining the property. But all of that information out there is public. And I'll never forget one of my favorite stories. There was a woman here in Louisville. I can't say her name. She'd kill me. But she owned over 400 and something properties. And they were all rentals, all over the place. Every zip code, she had a property. I mean, these some of these were liquor stores. Some of them were gas service station. You name it, they were all kinds of things, okay? Some of them were just vacant lots, parking lots, whatever. So anyway, her tenants really were bad tenants because they weren't mowing their grass or they weren't cleaning up or they had debris, whatever. They were getting dinged by Metro Louisville all the time. And so I came up with this mailer and I sent it to her. I always send and I call, but I send first. And it basically just, just insulted her is what it did. It said, look, it looks like you're struggling as a property owner. And here's why. And she called me before I ever called her. And she said, what do you think you're talking about? I said, look, it's not my name that's on this list of liens, it's your name. And there's a reason why you have all these properties with all these liens and fines attached to them. Maybe we should meet. And so she invites me to her big mansion for lunch one day. I walk in and I've got a stack, okay? This is, this is, this is 12, 15 years ago. I have a stack of file folders, so big. I had my assistant, I said, look, I want a listing agreement for every property, 413, 431, I can't remember the number, 400 and something. And I said, and I'm gonna go list every one of these. So I ring her doorbell, she, she answers the door. She goes, I'm not signing nothing. And I said, no problem, I always come prepared. Always go prepared, always go prepared. Two and a half hours later, I walked out of there with every one of those properties listed for sale. That's amazing. All because I insulted her. Right. But, but the truth was, is I didn't insult her. I told her the truth. She just didn't want to hear it. Right. And so it's all in the messaging, but it, it, it was, it was clever, but nobody was going after that business. And this is in, the, this is in a time, this was probably 2012 that I met her, maybe, maybe 2011. And that time is now too, because you've had renters struggling, you know, you, you need to start looking and, and, you know, subscribing to tools that are going to tell you what that high probability of sale is or, or looking up that public record information, because like for Metro Louisville, I can look that up right now for free. And a lot of counties are set up that way. So knowing your county, what information is free right at your fingertips and building a plan around what you do with that information. And if I never, if I never got one other deal off of just that, that way of doing business, that was okay. Cause I got 400 and something, but the truth of the matter is, is that's what led to me making all the money that I've made in order to pay 6 million 
or 10 million or 20 million to develop a piece of property that is life-changing. And that's the business that led up to that. And so we all start somewhere. And I started many years ago in 1999. I, you know, it took, it took a couple years, but I got there, but I really made my money when there was an economic downturn because my mind thought of a different way of doing business. And, and those are <clears throat> things that we need to look at in this day and age, because you never know when you need to pivot and be. I love that. I love that you told that story. I mean, those are great tidbits for aspiring brokers, people who are already in the industry, you know, two, three, four, even 20 years. I mean, people can take away everything from that. You know, be prepared when you go into a meeting, find different ways to do business, find different ways to make yourself stand out getting on all the calls and almost being excited to get the no. I say that to my team all the time, right? It takes so many no's to get a yes. So don't get discouraged by that. It might just be that you need a pivot, but all of those no's are going to lead to that yes. And you're going to find your niche and your success. If you just keep at it, you stay gritty, you stay hungry, and you want it at the end of the day. Stay hungry. I love that. <laughs> Definitely stay hungry. I stay starving. Starving. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much, Stephanie, for joining us and sharing your insights, especially on such important topics. We truly appreciate your time today. I know you're very busy. So thank you. Thank you for taking the time to sit down with us. Thank you. Of course, of course. Steph, where can people find you online if they want to get in touch? Uh, maybe your email or your social media. Give it to our listeners. Hey, I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, but you know, you can email me at stephanie.gillison at expcommercial.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks everyone for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure not to miss the next one. Visit go.crexy.com slash podcast. That's i.com forward slash podcast and sign up to get the very next episode delivered straight to your inbox. You can also subscribe to the Crexy podcast on your favorite podcast app or check out our YouTube channel at www.youtube.com slash Crexy for video recordings of each episode. Goodbye, stay well, and we'll see you next time.